At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. All right, Spectres, we are back. It is time for the Mass Effect Lorecast, and I am your host, Tom, or Robots, and I'm here as well with my co-host, Sam, and Seven Legend. Welcome back, Sam. How's it going? I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. One week closer to getting the uh, the gaming laptop, the promised land for me. Yes. Lap- Wait, you so, said laptop. Or I'm sorry, not laptop. Okay. Definitely not gaming laptop. I thought you were changing that your was, mind here. That was a slip, and I swear it will not be a gaming laptop. Okay. okay. <laughs> I've had enough of laptops for right now. Yes. Yes. And one week uh, closer to the uh, inevitable heat death of the universe. So we've also got that going for us. So um, there we go. Yeah. So we are talking. This is going to be our last um, races of the galaxy episode, isn't it? Races of the milk or the races Milky of the Way. Milky Way specifically. Yes. So, yes. Technically, yes. Last one of the galaxy, but we should specify since. There's an ugly step cousin to the trilogy and it happens in a different galaxy. I mean, I'm a fan of the Milky Way galaxy the most because that's where I live. I don't know about you. It has the best bars and eateries. I prefer Uh, the sushi in this one. (laughs) So Andromeda does get a bad rap, but yes, this one is the final episode of the intelligent races of the milky way of course there's tons of um wildlife and fauna unintelligent races out there i mean it's it's subjective if you ask me hence why we haven't covered humanity but yeah (laughs) that's true we haven't oh that's unfortunate i figured like that would just be a history course right (laughs) if we discovered humanity because it's the same thing up until like 2100 so yes also for those of you watching on the live show and the uh, the video that's going up on youtube my hair is especially uh high today and i have this i have this wonderful curl that's like standing up on top of my head that i liken to um 
Alfalfa. Uh, it's kind of Alfalfa-esque and also like, uh, uh, who's the guy that did, um, uh, uh, what's the, what's the movie with, uh, Jack Skellington? The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, it's like that. It's like the curl that he he sings and he walks up and then sings about Christmas. He like, oh yeah, you know yeah, yep. I, I know I what you're talking about. Okay, anyway, yeah, that, it looks like that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, uh, let's. What's so wait? Okay, so who are we talking about today? So this week we are discussing uh, two species who kind of take a back seat to most discussions in and about the Mass Effect universe. One of them is known being a gargly sounding hired <laughs> muscle man. And the other is barely seen in the galaxy at all. But when players have gotten a view, it's been intimidating. Both of these species have reputations for being violent and both are not spacefaring species. So if you haven't guessed it already, we are talking about the Vorcha and the Yag. Uh, so th that's a uh, kind of an interesting dynamic, right? With both of them not being spacefaring and yet they are seen throughout the Milky way. This is the name of my new hardcore band, by the way, the Vorcha and the Yog. the Vorcha and the Yog would make a, a great metal band. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. I can see like one Yog front man and then the rest are just Vorcha, just, you know, going to town on an electric guitar yeah right right absolutely <laughs> yeah i am the yog we are the vulture good, 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 good. <laughs> yeah absolutely all right so we've got a lot to yeah. go over um so uh, where do we start so let's start with um my favorite uh the phrases that i would use to describe both of these and for the vorcha i would say improvise adapt overcome okay that, that is a quote indeed from bear grills wait 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 isn't that um, wait that's just that's just like the uh the no that's not the navy that's the um mm, that's one of the that's the oh god the words are not working tonight that that's the marines is it yeah that's just know. the marines that's just that's what the marines say <laughs> So all I know is that it's from the pro, the prolific Bear Grylls memes. Is he a Marine? Uh, he was in the Royal, uh, he was a ro like a British Special Forces. Okay, well, that's I, like I, a Special Forces thing then, right? So it probably is. Um, <laughs> so the, uh, I say improvise, adapt, overcome because we'll go, we will go over it in a little bit, but okay. it is perfectly applicable to the Vorcha. And there's an added little reference in there that I realized after picking it. And it's that bear grills grill is actually the name of one of the Vorcha in mass effect three, who you have to negotiate with in order to secure the blood pacts Alliance in combating the reapers coincidence. So kind of just a weird coincidence. Mm, probably not. There are no coincidences in this world, my friend. That's right. No coincidences in intentional lore writing. Nope. Uh, nope. I'm not sure if the writers are then trying to say that Bear Grylls would be a Vorcha. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> that feels a lot more like an insult than praise. Um, mm -hmm. But as we will get into, uh, you will come to see that the, the Vorcha are not really great to be likened to. As for the Yog, this one was easy. Never underestimate your enemy. Uh, we will also get into that, but first let's jump into the, uh, anatomical breakdown 
of the very poorest people, the Vorcha. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. They, uh, they're full of holes. They look like Swiss cheese. Uh, but if you like melted Swiss cheese a little bit and yeah. then like stretched it over like tendons oh. and, oh. and you gave the tendons very sharp edges, oh. that's kind of what it would look like. Oh. Uh, they are bipedal with a humanoid body. Oh, no fucking figure. Um, and so they have two eyes two what look like ears. They have a nose holes and a mouth with razor sharp teeth. They're not, um, inviting and they don't look charismatic. I'll put it that way. Okay, so do you remember, um, do you remember the comics where in the Joker, like chopped his own like face skin off? So I never saw that, but I do know what the Joker looks like in the comics. So uh -huh. I can imagine. Okay. So yeah, there was a series where like he cut his own face skin off and then he like stapled it back onto his face and it was all stretched out. This is like a race of jokers with stapling their own face skin back onto their face. Yeah, they all look like psychos. <laughs> because yeah. their eye, their eyes are all like blood red too. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's 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 quite the appearance. They're they're meant to look scary, I think. They're mm -hmm. the typical scary mm -hmm. alien look. Yeah, which is funny because like that was after this. So I hadn't thought about that at the time, but looking back on this, I, yeah. That's yes. <laughs> Yeah. And biologically, they appear genderless. It's never actually addressed in the lore, but they are all voiced by Mark Muir, uh, who is also the voice of Commander Shepard. So they all have the same voice, meaning they don't there's no like, you know, variation in more masculine or more feminine voices uh, for the Vorcha. Um, and in addition to that, what we do know is that they reproduce sexually and fast because they only live about 20 years. So if you only live about 20 years, you need to reproduce fast, right? Yeah. They get like bunnies. Yeah. Seriously. Like one a week. <laughs> they, uh, they evolved on a planet called Hesh Hesh which is a small, highly volcanic planet with a toxic atmosphere. Most of Heshtok's ecology has been eliminated through both aggressive consumption and environmental factors, which means that the planet is now covered in weeds and what the Codex calls hardy vermin. Ooh. <laughs> Takes me back to playing Vermintide with, with you last uh -huh. night. Yeah, those are some hardy vermin. That's for sure. So the Vorcha come from the Ratman world. <laughs> That's yes. basically what this is telling us. Yeah, if if there's a natural predator for the for the uh, Warhammer rat people, then it's these guys. Which makes sense because of all the races in the Milky Way, these guys really, really do look like they would eat rats. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, they have the teeth for it. Like they would just gobble them up, like Zoidberg gobbles up garbage. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And um, their borderline, you know, like uninhabitable environment in he on Heshtok leads to an insanely adaptable race, which is by far the most unique and interesting characteristic about the Vorcha. So, first of all, they have clusters, like each individual uh, Vorcha has clusters on the Vorcha's body of what are called non-differentiated cells.
more or less uh, we see these in some animals on earth, primarily flatworms. So these are kind of like uh, stem cells or at least a, like a secondary uh, phase after stem cell. Right. So if you weren't apprehensive enough about their appearance, now imagine that these rat eating cottage cheese looking <laughs> motherfuckers are covered in stem cells. <laughs> <laughs> and they have razor sharp teeth <laughs> and <laughs> i get this picture of them just go, turning into amorphous blobs and just like regenerating <laughs> after they take wounds they're pretty ugly um and it's it's often a point of uh like the they're they are the butt end of jokes in the mass effect universe mm-hmm. and um these non-differentiated cells allow them to regenerate lost limbs but they also allow the Vorcha to adapt virtually to any environment on an individual level. So this is on an individual level, meaning that it happens very quickly. For example, if a Vorcha gets burned or sliced by say an Omni blade, it will develop thicker skin. If a Vorcha leaves Heshtok and settles on a planet with an even more inhospitable mixture of air, that Vorcha's lungs will adapt. And if a Vorcha settles on a high gravity planet, let's say Irun, like the, uh, the Volus homeworld, it will develop stronger legs, a more resilient heart, and it would be able to breathe that ammonia uh, mixture that no other race can breathe. And it so, can do these things in like a week. So, okay. So if you were to like mind control these things, it would be like the perfect slave race to put on a planet that nothing else could be on to be like your workers, like your hive workers to just mind things and and get things off places that nothing else could get to. They are the ideal shock troops and like the ideal, uh, just exploitable labor source. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which the Asari actually do <laughs> to the Vorcha uh, oh, very early on after they discover the Vorcha. They say that it's to, you know, quote unquote, uplift them and, and expose them to the rest of the uh, galaxy. But we'll, we will get there. Um, so, as I said, the, the non-differentiated cells move to the affected areas of an injured or diseased Vorcha. And they adapt in about a week. Crazy fast. Uh, but each Vorcha has a limited amount of these cells, so they can typically only adapt once per lifetime. Um, huh, and so they don't to replace a vastly different environment. They don't replace those cells. That's interesting. Right, right. Um, and since they only live about twenty years, uh, they probably are going to only have to adapt to one environment at a time, unless they're traveling stem cell salesmen. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you could like steal the the stem cell, the adaptal cells from one and inject it in another. I'm sure the Solarians have tried. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I can almost guarantee that the Solarians have tried with that before. Um, <laughs> so the rapidly responding and repurposing of cells makes the Vorcha immune to all diseases. In this way, they're kind of similar to the Elder Scrolls Argonians. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In a sense, they're almost mm, uh, you kind of get into like mutant mutant comic book realm with like Wolverine or something like that. Sort of. They do look like mutant comic book villains, though. Yeah, they, they really yeah. do. Uh, they look like they should be a villain, a comic book villains henchman. Um, right. 
that's right. just kind of how they look yeah. and that's kind of how they act too since all of them seem to have a pretty similar personality um but what all of this means with the adaptability thing is that the Vorcha don't evolve as a race their dna is still the same as the the Vorcha who lived millions of years ago it's still the same exact dna because the race itself doesn't need to evolve if an individual can adapt on a moment's notice hmm. so it's pretty interesting i wonder if that stunted their psychological development to some extent um because we don't see a real desire to pursue uh hallmarks of progress like other civilizations do like science architecture that kind of thing we don't see that from the Borgia. right yeah that's that's interesting um yeah, there's still some really big questions in evolution about um, some of that kind of thing, uh, which I'm not, I'm not going to go into here. I, I saw a, uh, a documentary about um, some cells that they've been studying over uh, almost 40 years now and some some really interesting things over the long term evolution of these things that could play into something like this, like the, some of the shocking things about about that. But I, I won't bring that up here. But yeah, that that question of like how did how would something like this in the real world actually affect evolution is, is really puzzling but that's interesting right yeah could it help too much um could it help combat vet gaming asks in chat this is a good question um the real question he's he's trying to be funny but there's an answer to this actually uh the real question is would nasari mind meld with vorcha and in fact sometimes they do and they do produce offspring and according to morden those offspring are lactose intolerant <laughs> Wait a, a minute. weird detail that is that they, super weird they you would think they would have cells that would like manage to deal with that <laughs> like right and why did like of all things the dairy and specifically dairy from cows why why would vorcha know what cows are first of all <laughs> when are they going to encounter cows uh, well, I mean, things, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily just have to be cow lactose. It's sure. <laughs> All sorts of animals sure. create milk. <laughs> like lots of, lots of mammalian animals make milk. <laughs> you know what? Maybe they're allergic to the, the hearty vermin milk from Heshtok. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> like what do, Would what you do try you... rat milk? <laughs> I probably wouldn't. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's gotta be vermin milk, right? Oh, God. anything with nipples combat oh, gaming God. says. Can, do you think that oh Ooh. oh i would go one step further and say you can milk more than that because the last i checked almonds do not have nipples yeah almond i think that's just milk and name <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> milk and name only it's poser milk as i like to tell my girlfriend a mm -hmm. huge fan of mm -hmm. she's single-handedly keeping the almond milk industry in business um, oh yeah well there you go <laughs> um, but enough about milk <laughs> and where it comes from. Um, the Vorch's hardiness reminds me of another animal that we have in the animal kingdom on earth, which are called tardigrades or yeah, water bears, water bears. One of my favorites, uh, one of my favorite tiny little, uh, animals and uh -huh. they can actually survive in the vacuum of space. So maybe we should call the Vorcha space bears. <laughs> They're like horror space bears, though. Space bears from hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, space terror bears. 
bears in space <laughs> okay all right so okay so i don't so, know if they'd like that okay so if these are space bears then what are the yog then that's a good question because the, the yog are really more bear-like uh and i mean that in appearance I mean, and personality they are kind of cuter sort of it's a low bar it's a um, low bar <laughs> It's a low bar, but the Yog are more bear-like because these are some big, beefy boys. Um, <laughs> there's yeah. some alliteration for you. Some the, the Yog are big, beefy boys, and they are even bigger and stronger than the Krogan. What? Uh, Wait a minute. That's true. Yeah, that, that's canon. Wait a minute. Are battle buddies? They are. The big, beefy boys are even burlier than the battle turtle baby buddies the battle turtle the, ba the baby battle turtle buddies i got through that one and i'm proud of myself oh no <laughs> um they are stronger and uh this is a surprise to javik who can remark that they used to be much smaller in his cycle so fifty thousand years ago the yag were around then and they used to be smaller the yag are also bipedal but they're not exactly humanoid kind of mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. their body really reminds me of a minotaur because the the legs bend backwards a little bit almost like frog legs and they have a huge upper body similar to like a silverback gorilla okay so they have a huge upper body but they're bipedal big beefy boys that are bigger than our battle turtle baby buddies Yes, indeed. You nailed it. Um, they are silverbacks with reptile legs, oh, as man. if that's not terrifying enough. Uh, and they also have horns, two large horns on their head. Uh, and their face is even more alien than the Vorcha's face because they have four pairs of eyes designed to track prey. And that's how they kind of evolved, right? But now those eyes serve to detect subtle movements in body language, which allows the Yog to be natural lie detectors. You cannot lie to them. <laughs> so that's okay. terrifying. So wait a minute. Hold on. I have to put up the image of this guy. Um, so, so you can keep talking, but uh, the way, okay, let me, okay. Hold on. I have so many thoughts. Gosh, darn it. Hold on. Brain do things. Oh, I can't put it up because it's, it's one of those weird files that won't, won't show up on the thing. Okay. This thing both also looks like an underwater weird fish creature of some sort. Do you ever get that sense when you look at yes, these guys? Yes, it does. And it also looks like uh, what happens uh, when some sort of alien also loses a bar fight. Like it got punched in the face too many times. Yeah, that's accurate. And like it also looks like the asshole that would start a bar fight. Yes, but it looks like it like. Okay, so if you were a four-eyed alien with a more regular-looking face, and then you lose the bar fight, and then your buddies have to like drag you off the floor and take you out of the bar and be like, "It's it's all it's okay, Roger. It's all right. We're, we'll, you'll get him next time, buddy. Let's get you home. Let's get you home." And like your face is like sunken in now and bloody. <laughs> like that's what these right. guys. He's look muttering kind of like, like, "I'm the shadow broker." <laughs> right. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't stand for those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have deep voices too, like incredibly deep. Well, they're they're uh, like big, put, they're big beefy boys. Of course, puts Bane to shame. Um, yeah. <laughs> slant oh, rhyme unintended. Oh, yes, I'm the shadow broker, Batman. 
Ah, oh, yes, the shepherd. <laughs> the shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> you think you're the shadow broker, but I was born in the shadow broker. I was molded by it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, the shadow broker is kind of like Bane. I think that's a fair comparison, but their mouth is triangular. What the fuck is that about? <laughs> I don't really like that's I've never seen something with a triangle mouth. Um, so this is a first like a fish, like, like a weird fish. Yes. It's like yeah. a weird fish because they also have like gill like things on the side. Right. Um, These things so. must have evolved from a fish somehow. Yeah, that, I get the strong indication that they have an aquatic ancestor somewhere down the line. I mean, we all do. Well, maybe not <laughs> like really far Vorcha. back. Maybe not the Vorcha because uh, I don't okay. nothing well, about them looks like it was ever aquatic. I mean, you and I do. Being as we are life forms who evolved on Earth. And that's the first time I've been called a human in a while. Yay! I'm flattered. Upgrade. I've been called many things, but never a human. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Um, so, okay. So with the shadow broker DLC, right? We know, mm. okay. We know that they're not just physically dangerous, but the, they got some, they got some smarts. We know that. Right. Yes, they do. And that makes them very, very dangerous. Um, Fun fact, the Yog didn't even exist before the Shadow Broker DLC, which is a DLC for Mass Effect 2. And, uh, at, like, I mean, the Shadow Broker sent a team to the Yog homeworld to abduct one of them to study. And this is all, you know, part of the dossiers that you get at the end of the Shadow Broker DLC. So if you want to play it, you haven't finished it yet, um, and you don't want a spoiler, probably skip ahead about a minute. But... The Shadow Broker sent a team to the Yog homeworld to abduct one of them to study. And they had to kill several Yog before finding one who actually wanted to leave their homeworld named uh, Parnak. Well, it turns out that that particular Yog was probably deceiving the entire Shadow Broker's team. Because within a very short time, he ended up learning 17 languages with no translator assistance and his quote political predictions have bettered some of the shadow brokers best agents that's according to the shadow broker uh itself i mean on my best days i've only learned like 15 languages so that's pretty good yeah i mean it's it's pretty good that's pretty Uh, that's pretty good i'll be humble at maybe okay maybe 14 language i was i've learned like 14 and a half. Threeve. Um, <laughs> Threeve. <laughs> What's the V? What is the V? It was non-committal. Um, <laughs> Three-ish? Threeve. Um, the sheer intelligence of the Yog, which dwarfs my own, clearly, um, and its raw <laughs> power spooked the Shadow Broker. Enough that the Shadow Broker immediately tried to issue an order to eliminate the Yog before it could become a bigger threat. Uh, and so even in acting 
in what the, the broker thought was immensely proactive. The order came too late because the Yag killed the shadow broker while he was sending out the message. So the Yag then became the next shadow broker. And so this is how we know what the Yag's lifespan must be at the very least, because the Yag served as the shadow broker for 60 years until Shepard came along and uh, sent him to his grave. Okay. So two things here. Shadow broker is basically the Highlander. Cause there can only be one. There can only be one. Right. You kill him and then you become him. Two, uh, maybe it's the eyes because the brain is like, like the GPU. And so you have to have more, you have more eyes. You need more processing power, right? So more eyes means, means upgrade. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta RTX on that thing. So he's, he's definitely got like a 3090 in there. At least. At At the very least. So he's got RTX on. So that's why he can learn so many languages. He's got quite a rig going on um, mm-hmm. and in the inside that beefy big boy body. That beefy big boy uh, body with the big, big old rig. <laughs> so I, I bring this up because the Yog are the definition of apex predators. Their ability to pose such a threat to the races of the Milky Way is impressive, especially considering that they haven't even left their homeworld yet. Sorry, I got distracted by the comment in chat from uh, Mark 10 Gamer who said, if that's true, Tom, spiders should be fucking powerful ASF. And I said, heck yeah, <laughs> Shelob. There you go. Um, so Sorry, what did you say? I totally missed that. <laughs> <laughs> I said, it's just impressive how powerful the Yog are uh-huh. and how much of a threat they pose to the Milky Way races because they haven't even developed the technology to leave their own home world yet. Well, yeah, that seems, that's kind of a contradiction, right? Right. Um, so, mm. Okay, so besides the Shadow Broker, the, actual, the Shadow Broker Yog, right? Right. Then they're all on Parnak? Yeah, so they haven't even advanced past the 20th century Earth technology. So they're not spacefaring. They're on the cusp, but they're not there yet. And in fact, neither are the Vorcha. Mm. Okay, so then we're gonna have to di- we're gonna have to dive into their history and uh, with how the console uh, how how sorry we're gonna have to dive into their history with the council. This sentence doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you are right. Uh, so <laughs> I'll take the I'll take the heat for this one because what listeners don't know is that this is according to the show notes that I put together. This was the transition and- to the mid break that he set up, so we could set up the transition to the mid break and hint at what you were going to hear next. And <laughs> this sentence doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I should have gaslighted you and been like, are you having a stroke? <laughs> I'm so drunk right now, guys. All right. So wait, wait, wait I'm going to put this on you. So what are we talking about when we get back from the mid break? <laughs> we're going to, we're going to talk about how exactly the Vorcha and the Yog even like began their interactions with the council and the Milky Way races. What? Something smells like toast. We'll be right back. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. 
All right, so everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever, Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to access hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash Mass Effect, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Mass Effect, expressvpn.com slash Mass Effect to learn more. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Do you like adventure? Yeah. Do you like laughing? Uh, yeah. Would you like to listen to a group of people you don't know play D&D and reference retro pop culture you vaguely remember? Um... Excellent. You're going to love Committee Quest. We play D&D in the world of Amarin. We use adventure modules and supplements made by people in the community. We also have a sweet synthwave backing track. Come and join us on our adventure. Volume 1 has been completed. Volume 2 coming the end of January. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts from. All right, so thank you guys for hanging out with us <laughs> this has been a this has been a wacky episode um uh but thank you for being here we have some patrons to thank and we've got a new review to talk about as well and um hey hey and seven how, how do you feel about our patrons oh i love them as i do every week <laughs> <laughs> yum, yum, yum. that love. sounded sarcastic but love it wasn't patrons <laughs> <laughs> Well, th thank you to all of our patrons and especially thank you to our tier five patrons who get a thank you and a call out every week. Sovereign and our new upgraded Stagger and Stumble tier five patrons. So thank you to Stagger and Stumble and a reminder that you guys have a week left to get your limericks in. Um, we have a secret, a secret donator who has decided to give away a guest slot on the end of the month patron episode so that means that one of you who submits a limerick a limerick is a five-line poem you can look it up they're really easy to write 
it, all it has to do is be about a Mass Effect topic, and you can just write one. You can drop it into the Discord. There's some info in there, and just if you aren't on the Robots Radio Discord, it's in the show notes. There's a link. You can just simply even just search Robots Radio Discord. It pops right up at the top of Google search. Join the Discord. Make sure you follow the instructions when you join. You go into the channel that says uh, rules and uh, there's a few other things on that channel, but it basically starts with rules and then you choose the little emojis for all the different things you like. So you can choose the Mass Effect lore cast emoji and then make sure you choose like the uh, the fun ones and like the personal stuff and personal and sharing stuff. And that will also include the poetry section. You go into the poetry channel, you'll see, see some limericks for Mass Effect stuff. You paste your little limerick in there that you've written and our secret donator will pick their favorite limerick and you might be able to guest on the end of the month show. That favorite limerick will be picked by next week's show on the 22nd and on the 29th is when our patron show will be. So that means that you will get to join one of, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of our patrons and so you don't even have to be one of our patrons in order to join us on the show that week. So that's super awesome. And there are 36 total patrons. So thank you guys. Maybe we can hit 40 by the end of the month. That would be amazing. Wouldn't that be awesome? N7. Oh yeah. 40 um, patrons. I think we might be able to surpass that. Maybe 42. That's 42. Yeah. The answer to think, life, the universe and everything. Because before I underestimated our patrons and I'll never make that mistake again. Sounds fair. Sounds fair. So thank you to all of our patrons. If you have, if you have um, enjoyed the show, if we have helped you get through a work day or your commute to work or a workout or anything else involving work, or even just, you know, doing your laundry or, you know, cleaning their house or anything at all. And you want to thank us or you would like to get ad free episodes or join us on a future episode of the show or anything at all. Go to patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast and check out all the different tiers and the ways that you can subscribe and help us out. And we would love the support. This helps me do this full time. I do this show and a bunch of other shows. This helps support N7 Legend do this on the side. And we really, really genuinely do appreciate the support. So thank you for that. And beyond that, you can share it with your friends. You can leave us ratings and reviews like this one from King Oblivion in the United States who writes, this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. Didn't we read this one last week? I think so we had a new one. Did we read this one? I think we did. Uh, I thought I saw a new one on either Chartable or Podbay. Let me try and get that. Uh, right I think we read this one. Uh, I recently found this podcast. Ever since otherwise, yep, yeah, we already read this one. You're tricking me. He's tr <laughs> he's tricking me. You're a tricker. I'm a sneaky one. You're a sneaky one. I don't see any new ones. He's tricking me. Well then, fine. Well, maybe you find that one. But that's all I got for the middle of the show. So uh, let's get to the rest of the show. Thanks. Thanks, patrons. Love you guys. Bye. Spit it out. Or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. All right. We are back. Did you find it? Yes, we are. And no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I did. So I, I confused. We have a new, another new review for the Xbox 
Game Pass oh, show. Oh yeah. Yes. And that one is on Pod Bay. Um so All right. confused the two. Yeah, that's coming up uh, tomorrow night. And oh, and we have a special guest on that show tomorrow night, Lady Devin, who is the uh the uh social media manager. That's her title, right? For for Fallout. And she's gonna be talking about Boyfriend Dungeon, which I got a chance to play because she made me do it. <laughs> And so that's going to be awesome. We'll be talking about that tomorrow night and a bunch of other stuff. So, uh, yeah, join us here on Robots Radio's Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Robots Radio. Also, you know what? We've got a we've got a planet. You want to talk about our planet? Yeah, let's talk about Flet. <laughs> that's the name of the planet. Flet. Flet. F-L-E-T-T. So Flet located in the Eagle Nebula. Uh, I wanted to choose this planet because it's perfectly relevant to the Vorcha. So I'll just go ahead and read the description here to our listeners. Uh, it is uninhabitable by most species. Flet is home to the blood pact Vorcha training and breeding grounds. The thick atmosphere is nearly all nitrogen and lacks oxygen, which poses no hazard to the Vorcha. Needing little but imports of food and water, Vorcha mercenaries and mercenaries-to-be train religiously to overpower and kill whoever the company is at war with this time. Travel advisory, Flet's spaceports are wholly owned subsidiaries of the Blood Pack Mercenary Company, a corporation undergoing numerous criminal investigations for capital crimes. Civil traffic to Flet is strongly discouraged. So, With a name like that... You'd never guess it. <laughs> yeah, flat. Uh, sounds innocuous, but it's not. And I, I love how the Codex refers to the Blood Pack as a like a company, like a, a corporation. Well, that's, that's what I meant. Like with a name like the Blood Pack, you'd never guess that they were oh, undergoing right. an investigation with a corporation named yeah. that. <laughs> why are you guys? Not, why are you guys named Blood Pack? Oh, we donate a lot to the Red Cross. That's it. Yeah, that's it. All right. So let's get back to. Um, Let's get back to these uh, two wonderful, wonderful species. Um, so we, let's see. We know a lot about their biology, and we also know that they're both non-spacefaring. So, mm-hmm. okay. So how did they, how did they enter the galactic stage, then? So the Vorcha are discovered by the Asari, as I mentioned earlier, who then bring them to other worlds as a source of cheap quick learning labor. And now I don't mean to say that quick learning equivocates to being intelligent, to being hyper smart, like the Salarians are. It's just that they have a very fast lifespan. So they learn these skills in addition to their adaptability uh, very quickly. They can fine tune their motor skills and nervous systems so that they can provide a, a source of cheap labor that no one would get anywhere else. Um, so they're like, and, uh, so combat vet gaming says they're streets smart, not book smart, but I, I would, I would modify that a little bit to say they're adaptable smart. They are, they're biologically smart. Yeah. Um, they, they have a big hindrance in, I guess, uh, development in that they don't organize well and they're so aggressive and territorial that that really gets in the way of their progress. But we will, uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So we'll talk about that a little bit later when we talk about governments and, and, uh, militaries. Okay. Um, so ever since the Asari decided to bring the Vorcha to other worlds, uh, the Vorcha that do leave their home world, they just hitch rides on visiting ships 
usually without the captains knowing, and then they breed at their destination. That's wait, wait, how wait, kind of like the rodents the that we talked about. <laughs> yes, yes, so very similar yeah. to rodents. And ironically, the Mass Effect universe refers to the presence of Vorcha as a pestilence. Like they, they, they consider them no more than a blight because, like, as one. Uh, I think security guard on, on Omega puts it like Shepard asks, what are the Vorcha planning? And the security security guard more or less says planning. If the Vorcha could ever plan, we'd all be fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so they can't. <laughs> and that kind of it gives a little bit of a, you know, like a insider's look into how the other races view the Vorcha. Um, whether that's merited or not, we'll decide maybe after the episode and fun fact the Vorcha were actually supposed to have a much more independent and fleshed out backstory about their own history, about their own technology, how they developed faster than light travel. But project director Casey Hudson decided that it did not fit their appearance and culture. And so it was scrapped. This tells me that the Vorcha were indeed meant to be polished space orcs, hmm. so to speak. Yeah. Uh, you know, the bad guy minions who only need enough background so as to not appear out of place. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's like they were downgraded. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of the opposite of what happened with the elder scrolls and orcs and the elder scrolls, right? Because right. those used to just be an enemy and then they kind of made them into a playable race with like their own full history. Right. Well, or the, uh, a, a more c complete look would be that Mass Effect is at the stage the Elder Scrolls was back in Arena and Daggerfall, which is the time when, where the orcs were at the stage the Vorja are here, right? Yeah. Before they were fleshed out comparable. and kind of upgraded to a, okay, we'll, we'll make them a real race now where they actually have a real history and a real, you know, right. whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Sales aside, that is completely comparable. Exactly. I think. Yeah. 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 Well, like if so. lore, from a lore perspective for specifically this race only. Jessica Starr says goblins at best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They are kind of space goblins. Yeah. They're kind um, of space goblins. Yeah. 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 They're, they're, they're space goblins. That's a really good um, metaphor or analogy. Um, but as for the Yogg, the council doesn't make first contact with them until the year 2125 of the current era, which oh, no. for context is 58 years before the events of mass effect one, but that's still 32 years before the council makes contact with humanity. Yeah. And that's, that's still like a hundred and short of a four time. years from now. Yeah. I'm going to have just to, so short oh, of a time. I'm going to have to live to be 140. The, what? Six. I mean, you better get cracking on your V8 and, mm. and eat, eat a lot of carrots or something. I don't know. Become a vegan. Subsist entirely off of vegetarian animal waste. I, I have no idea. You think, you think we're going to develop like the Futurama thing where you just put your head in a jar? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I, this seems more like a punishment than it does a privilege. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the, basically the... the Council makes contact, first contact with the Yogg after surveying planets. They send a council diplomat team there. Um, but we, we see zero Yogg in Mass Effect 1. 
in because of what happens to this council diplomat team that goes there, the council has declared their home world after the fact completely off limits to any to any interaction whatsoever. What okay? What happened? So put simply, the Yog got pissed off when a team of the diplomats greeted them as equals and not overlords. So the Yog killed them all. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Cool, right? Cool. Um, it's it's because of this incident that the council generally considers the Yag to be too obsessed with control, power, domination, and immature to integrate into galactic society. All right. So, okay. But if the council has an embargo on all relations with the Yag, why do the Salarians have one captive at the STG facility in Mass Effect 3? So this is a pretty cool little tidbit that's easy to miss. It turns out that the Salarian, uh, that the STG, kind of like the Salarian CIA, is planning to uplift the Yog and use them as a further, use them to further their political goals, but with plausible deniability. So, in other words, to do their dirty work. And then the Salarians, if caught, can say, well, we didn't have any hand in that. We didn't do that. That's awful. Who would do such a thing? Right. And then Cerberus attacks the base in Mass Effect 3 on Sirkesh in pursuit of the Krogan female. And the Yogg manages to escape so the yog <laughs> that was held captive has escaped on on Sirkesh, and no one knows where the hell it goes yeah as morden would say problematic problematic yeah okay yeah that yes pro- and as we've established uh powerful and very smart rtx apex on. predator apex predator triangular mouth triangular mouth rtx on learns languages very quickly problem <laughs> gorilla body with fish legs yep 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 <laughs> i mean this guy's gonna stand out wherever he goes but clever he's definitely not a salarian um no. but <laughs> seeing him disguised as one like trying to act like he is one would be hilarious um as in as anyone um who has played mass effect two and three will tell you, uh, we know both of these races are extremely aggressive for the Vorcha. It seems to be ingrained in their culture, not their biology. Combat is their language, both metaphorically and literally most of their communication with other Vorcha is nonverbal and aggressive. Like middle school. Um, yeah. It's a little bit like, um, if you had a playground full of middle schoolers who are all working out their own power dynamics, like boys, all of middle them school are boys. Mute. Let's be specific here. Yeah. All of them are mute though. Yeah. So it's all nonverbal. It's the weirdest silent film you've ever seen. Um, <laughs> there's no plot. Um, right. <laughs> right. But as the codex tells us, the lack of resources on Heshtok has resulted in a tight knit, clan-based society in which rival clans wage constant war against one another for control of scarce resources. They constantly fight each other in fierce competition over basic necessities. Um, Now, this is important, I think, to bring up because it kind of gives us an inside view as to what is going on, if anything at all, on the Vorcha homeworld, why have they not progressed? Why have they not advanced the same way as others have when they've been around for apparently, you know, like the species itself has been around for millions of years um, and they haven't progressed. So 
I kind of, I guess I realized why the Reapers haven't harvested them. Right. Because they weren't spacefaring and they weren't really capable of large scale organization, but they do tend to live in communities and they get very t- territorial. So when one community gets too large, younger Vorcha split off to settle into another uninhabited place, which is why combined with their wide parameters for acceptable places to live, they tend to take up the space in the dank, dark, you know, seedy corners of the Milky Way where no one else can or will go. Mm-hmm. They, they are totally space orcs. Yeah. I mean, right. Sor- I mean, Sauron would be totally at home with these guys. They're ostracized. They're seen as a blight. They live where no one else wants to live. Absolutely. The dark, dank yeah. corners of the world. They they mm-hmm. are constantly infighting, but yet are uh, organized enough to kind of build a culture to manufacture things for themselves to like yeah absolutely they they also are genderless and yet somehow can continue to procreate yeah absolutely yeah mommy where do vorcha come from we genuinely don't fucking know yeah Um, who knows but they all seem to be male-ish yeah yes yeah they they all seem to be male-ish um and fun fact, I, I think Mark Muir had said during an Instagram live video uh, about his technique for recording the Vorcha voice. He had to do it at the end of, of every like recording session uh-huh. because it would hurt his voice so much to do the gargly sound. And I think he I'm not sure if he was joking when he said this, but he said that he would have half of his mouth full of water to facilitate the gargly sound to that it makes it to, to, to sound like the yog uh and or i'm sorry not the yog the vorcha the vorcha yeah uh, and so yeah the, the vorcha sound absolutely horrible um, <laughs> their voice is like nails on a chalkboard um and it's it's always like it starts off with a growl it seems most of the time and then they just walk away and they never say bye um which is <laughs> it's like okay whatever uh, right <laughs> um but you know they're mostly nonverbal anyway so for the yog you know we have two examples that we've already mentioned to go on as to why they're violent or you know like to explain their violence the first contact uh that they had with the citadel is one example and then we also have the yogs take over of the shadow broker I'm hesitant to give any passing judgment on the Yag as a whole race, because those are two isolated incidents. And what if they only reached contact with one nation of the Yag planet? Yeah. And like everyone else on the Yag planet is like, well, those guys are dicks. Or, or we're in, um, very desperate situations. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not enough individual instances with which to derive any, overarching you know results like you can't really draw a conclusion from that right if i was going to go with a headcanon i would say that the council tasked the salarians and specters with monitoring the yog homeworld um but there's no evidence to actually suggest that in the lore um not that i know of so that's just my opinion it seems logical um but uh, there, those are the two examples that we have to go on with the Yog. And then there's also the captive escaping the STG facility. But if I was being held captive by the STG, I'd probably be pissed off too and take someone out with me <laughs> when I escaped, right? Yeah. So I'm not sure if we can count that as characteristic. Um, 
you know, uh, but sure. domination does, however, seem to be integral to Yag culture because according to the codex, which by the way, is written by a human, I'm pretty sure the codex is entirely from a human's point of view because it's referred to as general issued to Alliance personnel. So according to the codex, Yog society is built around pack mentality. A group of Yog will not cooperate until a single leader has attained dominance through either social maneuvering or brute force. Once the leader is established, the defeated Yog do not hold a grudge and former rivals serve their new superior loyally. Due to this mentality, the concept of equality is offensive to them. Interesting. So it's, it's... don't trigger them with your talks of equality. Yeah, it's it's uh, um, this is almost like this is very Pac-Man. This is like dogs. Yeah, yeah. I guess you could say that. Um, like once or or yeah. um, yeah. Anything with like a like a pack mentality, like uh, apes, or as soon as a leader is defined, then what the leader says goes. And there are like everything else. You do what the leader says. Nothing else matters. You follow the leader. Past grudges hold no bearing. You do what the leader says. Yeah. Um, I would imagine it goes something similar like that in the Yog homeworld. But again, I want to pump the brakes for what we do know, because what we do know is very, very limited yeah. about the Yog. Yeah. However, we can extrapolate this. We can definitely say that the Yog are organized. Their homeworld is organized. Although, maybe the council and the rest of the galaxy doesn't understand how or why or what motivates them. They're organized. So for better or worse, they know how to do it, which is the extent of what we know about their civics. But it's also more than we can say for the Vorcha because as any, as far as any self-governing bodies, uh, the Vorcha don't really have institutions. The anthropologists of the Mass Effect universe theorize that it's difficult for the Vorcha to keep organizations that last longer than one lifetime, which is 20 years for them, due to their aggressive nature, their short lifespan. And personally here, I think it's because they lack any interest in science and progress. The reason for that could be hotly debated, but I think that that can be that's pretty evident, I think, from the game world every time we see and meet um, Vorcha. It is worthy of noting, though, that Vorcha are not without ambition. And the Vorcha that you work with to secure the Blood Pack's help in your fight against the Reapers is very eager to usurp uh, the guy who was in his position before him as leader of the Blood Pack. Right. Um, so, right. yeah, it's, it's like yeah. a it's like selfish ambition over the, the benefit of the group, which seems to deter any right. long-term uh, progress. Yeah. All of them seem incredibly selfish. Um, mm -hmm. The Vorcha. And that's not me passing judgment. That's just, you know, an observation. Just the nature um, of the, so. the nature of the, uh, yeah, the individuals. Right. Again, um, they're space goblins. Yeah. 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 And, and that makes sense. Any society that uh, sees the individual over the, the collective is, not going to progress as the collective it it yeah. will tear itself down there there will be no progression in the long term the millennia of incessant warfare uh for the vorcha combined with their adaptability and just sheer bloodthirst i think 
makes them prime time recruiting targets for the blood pack mercenary group, uh, which we mentioned earlier, but they're not exactly bright. Right. So, and, but they do reproduce quickly. And the gang uses them as shock troops and cannon fodder, uh, which we mentioned, you know, they're highly adaptable. They -hmm. learn skills very quickly. Mm -hmm. They can survive in almost any environment because they are like, you know, the tardigrades of the mass effect universe. Um, so of course, mercenary groups would be super down to recruit them. Oh, and by the way, you don't even have to provide them with a room and board because they're cool. Like chilling in the corner. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah, just give them a four to sleep on. They're cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't seem to care really. Um, like, I don't think luxury is a huge thing in the in the Vorcha economy. By yeah. the way, when I was researching this, not a single damn thing I could find about a Vorcha economy. I don't think that they have one. <laughs> nope. um, really, nope. so <laughs> give them a rat to chew uh, so on and a floor. Uh, yeah, okay. I really wonder what they get paid in rats. Like, how do you pay a Vorcha rats? Trident layers rats rats and floors. <laughs> rats yeah it's more and more rats the more rats that's how they determine like their social hierarchy who has the most rats <laughs> yeah yeah i have three rats how many do you have that was a pretty good voce that's a pretty solid fortune hey, impression hey. hire me hire me bio bioware and, and you know since the vorcha don't have any government they haven't really raised any of their own armies or fleets so to speak there's enough Vorcha in the blood pack that I guess you could consider that a Vorcha army, but it's not because it's a multi-race, you know, mercenary corporation. And the Vorcha seem to be incapable of organizing and coexisting long enough to really form any army or militia or any type of power group that lasts longer than one lifetime and can, you know, ally enough people that it grows in power mm-hmm. that doesn't seem to be possible for the Vorcha. um whether that's cultural whether that's innate we just i don't know i don't think there's enough evidence to suggest either way um we don't know much if anything about the yogs military but we do know that they aren't being targeted for harvesting by the reapers in mass effect 3 um, per admiral hackett because they're not a space flight species yet they're close, but they're not there yet. So considering their apex predator status and the fact that they are nearly done constructing their first space spaceship, they are expected to be the dominant species in the, in the Milky way, assuming Shepard fails and everyone ends up getting harvested. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Next cycle run by Yog. Weird. How do you feel about that? Triangle mouths everywhere. Well, RTX on. That's what I say. Hey, um, Jessica Starr has some qu- interesting questions. Sure. Are there many reports yeah. of how the Yogg fared during the Reaper invasion? So they actually didn't get invaded. The Reapers left them alone. Um, and it's Admiral Hackett's best guess that they uh, were left alone just because they weren't advanced enough. Um, my personal guess is that they were left alone because how many yog actually know about the existence of the reapers two one because shepherd killed the, the shadow broker so maybe one the maybe the one. yog that was on the stg facility that's it um i don't think they're gonna bother with the yog i think that the way that the reapers like their cycles to go it seems like the reapers until the most recent cycle with humanity and the asari and whatnot it seems like 
the reapers enjoy having a clear dominant species of every cycle, doesn't it? Or at least maybe that's just convenient writing. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, it, it makes a, it makes an easy target. It makes a, uh, predictable pathway of evolution. Yeah. It, um, it consolidates everything. Hmm. They do like patterns and they do like, uh, they do like races to evolve the way they want them to evolve. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Jessica star also says they're developed enough, uh, that they would be harvested even if they're pre space flight, I think. Yeah. So that's a good point. There are flavor texts in the mass effect lore on side planets that talk about other unnamed races of aliens that were completely uh, exterminated by the reapers in previous cycles, but they were not spacefaring species. So I wonder what the exact cutoff is, or if the reapers were totally full of shit when they talked to talk to Shepard on the Citadel and it's all arbitrary, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. And that's assuming that, that, that it wasn't just a, you know, writing inconsistency. Right. Right. Well, we got to wrap up the show with it. Uh, interesting look at these two, um, uh, kind of lesser known races. These guys, you know, if, yeah, we, if we get, if we get some more info on these guys in mass effect four, that would be, that would be pretty cool. I would love to see more info in them. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and you know, uh, yeah, because we just don't have a lot to go on right now, to be honest. And they don't really make an appearance in Andromeda at all. And speaking of Andromeda next week, we're going to be talking about Andromeda's sentient races. So we're going to be talking about the Angara, the Jardon and the Ket. And it may be, you know, a longer than normal episode, but we're going to try to fit all of them into one episode since there's too little to talk about each one individually, I think. Yep. Yep. And then we'll be wrapping up this month with our patron episode. So be, uh, that's right. Be chatting about that. I, I've seen some conversations going on the discord about what we will be conversing about in two weeks so get your opinions in there share what you think we should be discussing um some some conversation about continuing the conversation about the end uh of the trilogy and some thoughts on that so share what you think and we will be back next week um sam you got any got any uh thing else you want to share about anything else going on well, just to reiterate the uh, awesome Game Pass episode that we got uh, coming up tomorrow on the Xbox Game Pass show, uh, I'm going to try to play some Boyfriend Dungeon <laughs> You're gonna tomorrow play too? before. I'm going to try to play some before oh, the man. episode so that I have some valuable things to contribute to the conversation. All right. Um, yeah. I did play a couple of new Game Pass games that I'm going to be you know, excited to talk, to talk about, um, but they are small titles, so they're not going to take a long time. Cool. Yeah. Uh, MK10 uh, posted a review for us. So, uh, oh, awesome. We'll pull that up. Awesome. Yeah. I've, I played some too. Uh, Lady Devin is going to be joining us. So, she will be our guest this week, which is super fun. And uh, we've got all the regular stuff tomorrow night. Also, the Witcher Lorecast will be tomorrow night. And um, I, I was looking at some of the, uh, the rankings for podcasts uh, today. And this show. The Fallout Lorecast, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, and the Witcher Lorecast are all in the top hundred podcasts for video games. We have what? We have four top one hundred shows. What? 
And the Xbox uh, Game Pass show is in the top 200. What? Crazy talk. This, this is nuts. This is crazy. Yeah, and um, who was uh, it? What's the guy's name? Do you remember the guy's name from uh, Game Informer? Followed our Twitter account. The um, I don't remember his name. Uh, Mr. Reiner. I don't Mr. remember his Reiner. first name. What is his title? The He's the editor-in-chief. Editor-in-chief of Game Informers followed Which, both... for those of you who um, don't follow print media, that's, like, pretty high up there. Pretty high up there, <laughs> that, yeah. Follow the Witcher like Lorecast. near the top. And the so. Mass Effect Lorecast. So, hello to you. Thank you for following us. And, um, yeah, so, uh, fun, fun times. We're, we've been having a great time. Thank you to everybody who has been checking out the shows. We really do enjoy you guys being here. We especially enjoy you when you join us during the live shows. And thank you to all of you guys, all of the live show people, all of you listening on your devices. We just, we love you guys. Thank you for being here. We will see you next week. And until then, have a, have a safe trip through the galaxy. Watch out for those more nefarious races with big chunky teeth that look like Swiss cheese. They might be out to get you. Stay safe. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. Are you into the cyberpunk tabletop games or excited for cyberpunk 2077? Are you looking to brush up on the lore, stay up on all the latest news, and talk about the game when it comes out? Check out the Cyberpunk Lorecast, a show from Robots Radio with me, your host, Robots. We'll go over all the details you need to know about the world, characters, and story of cyberpunk. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Hey there, my name is Jameson, or Big Cat. And I am Brenna, or Mother Goose. And together, we are the hosts of the DL Weekly Gaming News. Each week, we bring you the top stories from last week, as well as something you might have missed. Our goal is to start a conversation about what's going on in the world of gaming. And every week, we have a special guest join us in the chat room, where we discuss a different gaming-related topic and learn more about our guests in the 60-second download. And if that isn't enough, we also have Slim Jims. So come and hang out with us every week and join in on the conversation. Good luck and have fun, everybody. And remember, keep your goose loose. <laughs>